welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we're joined by our teaching pastor, Ian Simpkins, as we continue our series, Here to There. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Good morning, everyone. How are you feeling? Ooh, it is good to be with you this morning. My name is Ian, and uh, we're thrilled that you're here. Have you ever noticed how some of the most iconic characters in cinematic history are mystery men? Like, take, for example, this gentleman here. Oh, Bond, James Bond, right? How many, I mean, but we all know who the best Bond of all time is. Rather say it together. One, two, three. Pierce Brost Connery. You know, he recently slept through an earthquake. Yeah, he was shaken, but not stirred. Um, next. <clears throat> next, what about this mystery man? Or is it this mystery man? Ah, spoiler alert, same guy. <laughs> But we can't forget our all-time favorite international man of mystery. <laughs> it's way scarier up close, actually, isn't it? <laughs> well, today I want to talk about a different mystery man, a mystery man from the Bible, and it's a man named Melchizedek. Now, uh, Melchizedek is a, uh, a pretty unknown character in the Bible, um, but he encounters and crosses paths with a much better-known character, a guy named Abraham. Abraham left his land, his family, everything he knew, to follow the promise God had for him to a land that God had promised him. And it went pretty smoothly for the most part. Uh, but he does encounter some challenges along the way. Abraham, at one point, has to f- fight off a bunch of regional kings who are trying to sort of take, o- take over his territory. And uh, he wins. Abraham is a bit of a baller, apparently. So he wins, and as he's returning home with the spoils of battle... Uh, he encounters this man, Melchizedek. Now, there's a lot that we don't know about Melchizedek, but Scripture gives us uh, two unique clues. One, uh, he's the king of Salem, and secondly, he's the priest of God Most High, to which I'm sure you're thinking, great, that clears it all up. Appreciate it. This is actually where the, the, uh, the mystery sort of begins for us, actually, because first, n- no one actually knows where Salem is, or even was. Best guess we have is that it's somewhere, maybe even possibly the region that we now call Jerusalem. The second statement is that he was the priest of God Most High. The unique thing about this passage is that at this point in history, there wasn't even a temple yet. So how, how could Melchizedek be a priest? He's never mentioned anywhere before this story And just a handful of other opportunities later in Scripture references to this story. And yet Abraham, returning from this battle with the spoils of war, encounters Melchizedek. And when he meets him, Melchizedek pronounces a blessing on him. He pronounces this blessing to Abraham, which essentially says, Abraham, you're very blessed. God has given this victory to you. God did that. He provided for your needs. So how does Abraham actually respond to this blessing? Here's here's what happens. says, Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Melchizedek was God's representative to Abraham, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. So so it's, it's out of this sense that everything is God's, that Abraham offers this tribute 
to this man, Melchizedek. So what does this mystery man have to do with all of us? Well, as Patrick mentioned, we're in the middle of a series called Here to There. But in order to get to there, in order to actually make the journey, I think we actually have to, we have to let go of this false hope that my significance and safety is found in my resources. I believe that God wants to bring us from a place of fear and anxiety to significance and security. And God tells us that the vehicle to move from here to there is generosity. We've been saying it this way. It is about something God wants for us, not from us. It's about something God wants for us, not from us. We, we gotta keep that in the forefront. When we speak of money, wealth, possessions, generosity, I think it's easy for us to assume, well, they just want something from me. But I believe wholeheartedly that the path to generosity is God saying to his children, I want something for you, not from you. Even though most of us have never heard of him, I think there's something that we can learn from this man, Melchizedek, the first biblical example of giving a tenth of what we have to honor God. And it's a biblical practice called tithing. Now, for some of you, you're very familiar with this term. You've heard tithing maybe a thousand times over. Others of you, Maybe you've never heard this term at all. You're brand new to this term. Either way, there are a lot of misconceptions about this idea of tithing. Hey, honey, I'm home. Hey, babe. How was your day? Ugh, crazy busy. But I got a ton accomplished. I deposited my paycheck. I got the car wash, the oil change. I went ahead and sent in that check for Timmy's Little League, which got me thinking. If we're going to start tithing weekly, we need to figure out our finances. Okay, that sounds good, but can we do it tomorrow? The game's on. I thought it got rained out. Oh, no, there's a rain delay, but it's going to be on in a few minutes. You know what? Fine. You just sit there and relax. I will take care of paying all of our bills, redoing our budget, and figuring out our money. Okay, that sounds good. Love you. Givalis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment's right. And the same Givalis is the only daily tablet approved to treat general generosity as well as tithing at your local church. Feeding over to reach the bag. Yes! Yes, he did it! He tithed! He tithed! <laughs> Fool's Gold Hits, featuring songs that will sound vaguely familiar, like... Turn your tithe upon Now chew on this. Great tasting tie that actually helps fight cavities while promoting generosity. Now in first fruits flavor. Four out of five pastors recommend chewing tithe while... You can set up a recurring gift online. A reoccurring gift? No, no, no. A recurring gift. It's a totally different thing. But you never have to miss a week of tithing. Okay, but what if I'm only fiving? Church better have my money. And later in the news, we'll be talking to some churchgoers who still give just a part of their tithe, even though apartheid ended in 1976. Back to you, Jim. Jim? Jim. Jim. Huh? What happened? You fell asleep on the couch again. Did the game start? Yeah, about three hours ago. It's all tied up, going into the 10th. Huh. The 10th. <laughs> Well, that about clears it all up, doesn't it? Why don't we just close in prayer? Tithing is important because it keeps out in front of us the reminder that everything already is God's. The food that we eat, 
the breath in our lungs, our relationships. It's all God's already. In an agrarian culture like this one, bringing the first fruits, the first of a harvest, was a way of keeping God's ownership over everything front and center. So when we learn to tithe, we can become what we're going to call an intentional giver. An intentional giver. Now the most well-known passage, uh, I think, in the, in the whole Bible written on this uh, comes from a prophet named Malachi. Now, uh, Malachi, like a lot of prophets, uh, has some pretty strong things to say. And here's what he says in Malachi chapter 3. <clears throat> it says, will a mere mortal rob God? Well, we're off to a strong start, aren't we? Um, Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Yikes. I mean, those are some pretty intense words, aren't they? It's clear that God sees tithing as a big deal. He sees giving as a big deal. Generosity is a big deal. Loosening our grip on our things, a big deal. But stick, stick with me in this. I think maybe like Israel, uh, a lot of us, we probably dance around this a little bit or a lot. We come up with various different reasons for why we don't give or why we can't. We might say things like this. Uh, I need to save money before I can give. I need to save money before I can give. And I, and I totally get this. Totally understand this. I think we all need to ask, though, is saving more important than giving? Rockefeller, years ago, when he was one of the wealthiest humans on the planet, was asked by a reporter, Rockefeller, how much is enough money? And his response was kind of haunting. He said, just a little more. And that's, I think, for a lot of us, we probably felt the sting of that, the weight and cycle of that. I would argue that our standard of giving is far more important than our standard of living. In fact, uh, the famous psychiatrist Carl Menninger actually uh, linked mental health to the ability to let go of money, to release resources. He found that there is a psychological contingency, there is a psychological consistency with those who are able to loosen their grip on their things. Another thing I think we often say is that uh, I tithe my time. Anyone, anyone ever said I tithe my time before? <laughs> and again, that's a good thing to do. Your time is a good thing to give. Except nowhere in the Bible, though, does God say anything even remotely close to, you know, if you don't feel like tithing your money, just go ahead and tithe your time. I think this is why Jesus often says things like, where your treasure is, there your heart is. He goes, you want to know what you really care about? Check the bank account. Check the paper trail. Still, some of us maybe say that we would love to tithe, but we just can't afford it right now. We just can't afford it right now. We might be thinking, if I made 200K a year, then I could tithe, but I could never do that on what I'm making now. Um, I think that's actually a false belief that if I made more, I would actually give more. I did a little bit of research. I found that if, uh, on average, the, the median family household income was 50 grand annually, uh, the generosity percentage was about 6%, and that's across the board. That's church, that's charity, that's everything. 
Um, the next category, which is $200,000, uh, that dropped down to 4%, and the trend continues. In fact, one in four Christ followers in the United States give a big old goose egg annually. Their, their accounting there is pretty easy because they're like, okay, zero plus zero. It, okay, that equals zero. In fact, 5% of Christ followers in the United States make up for 60% of all giving. So I would, I would say that, that God is far more concerned with percentages than with zeros. He's far more concerned with percentages than zeros. And I, I think we can come up with all sorts of reasons, right? This is just three, but we can come up with all sorts of reasons why we don't give. And, and I want you to know that I get it. It was, a, it was a, long, a long season of my life where I wasn't given at all. At all. But if we want to move from here to there, a place from anxiety and stress and, and feeling like this is what will bring me security and significance, we, we've got to learn to loosen our grip. So what are some of the reasons that we should give? The first reason is the tithe belongs to God. The tithe belongs to God. We said earlier that God owns everything. You and I are simply stewards of God's account. It's on loan to us from him. And by tithing, by being generous, it helps recalibrate our minds and hearts to see the way that God is moving and redeeming and restoring in the world. Tithing keeps us in tune with what God is doing. So the question isn't, God, how much of my money do I have to give to you? If he owns it all, the question is, God, how much of your money do I get to keep? When we begin to see God as the owner of everything and us simply as stewards, it will begin to change our heart and mind and how we see money. Second reason we should tithe is because tithing is wise. It's just wise. Malachi said a little bit ago, um, he's accusing the people of Israel of robbing God, which... Like, man, I can't really rob you by keeping something from you that's not even yours. But but aren't we, in essence, robbing ourselves, though? Tithing, again, recalibrates us and reminds us of who's ultimately in charge. And I have news for you. It's none of us. And that's very good news. It's like Sabbath in that regard. Choosing to say no, to take a day off, to simply rest reminds us that the weight of the universe doesn't rest on my shoulders. Thank God. And if we're honest, I think a lot of us probably white-knuckle our resources and our 401k and our bank accounts because deep down we really believe that is what will save us. That is what will keep us secure. And here in Malachi, God's saying, that's, that's no way to live. That's no way to live. That's not the best way to live. When we give, we're trusting God and his wisdom for our life. The final reason to tithe is that we tithe as a way to experience God. We tithe as a way to experience the divine. In this passage, God says to the Israelites who are ignoring this, he says to test him. He says, test me in this. Now, um, I don't think you need to be a Bible scholar to know that it's, it's not typically a great idea to play chicken with God. Like just as a rule of thumb, everybody. 
And this is the only passage in all of Scripture where God actually says, test me in this. I mean, think about that. There are over 600 commands in the Old Testament. Not one of them says, test me in this. But it's kind of like God is saying, just, just try it. Try loosening your grip on your stuff and see if it doesn't change your life. Now, I, I want to be really clear about something. I don't think this means that if, if I start tithing, I'm going to win a jet and be, inherit a you know, private island or anything. But I do believe that God has blessings in store for us. He has blessings in mind for us when we loosen our grip. That we'll experience him in new and profound ways. In fact, I want to share with you a story of two friends who've experienced that themselves. Here is their story. My name is Rick Koss. This is my wife, Tanya. We have a 20-year-old daughter, Mariah, and we've been coming to community just over two years. Well, the first time we came to community was end of January, beginning of February, and we were really church shopping. We hadn't decided exactly what kind of church we wanted to belong to, and uh, we both came from a traditional background, so community was a little different for us at first. The music was loud and proud, and it was all good, uh, but it took a little getting used to. After a little while, it was just amazing. It was definitely felt like home. The first time that we came to community, it was during a series called Mine, and it was a about generosity. The night before, so a Saturday night, uh, Rick was doing taxes. What I had decided, since we didn't have a home church, I wanted to tithe still, but to my church back home in Michigan. But I didn't tell Rick. Surprise! <laughs> so, uh, so it was tax time, and it was Saturday night, and he was going through taxes for us. I do them every year, uh, looking at what was going on with our charitable donations. It was nice to see that there were so many. Tanya definitely was in a different Place at that moment. Growing up, I didn't do any kind of tithing. My family didn't do any kind of tithing. It was, it was, you know, giving money to the church where we could. Rick wasn't super happy about my tithing and wasn't sure why I was doing it. And I tried to talk to him about this is why we should be doing it. And so on Sunday, Pastor John was up there and he was talking about tithing. And he said that it's funny that people who tithe thinks the ones that don't are idiots and the ones who don't think the ones that do are idiots. And we looked at each other and Rick was like, did you know this? And I had no idea. We were brand new. That was our first day there. And it was remarkable how that one message just changed the trajectory of our lives. We started tithing right away. Um, that was our first decision at Community. And uh, our other decision was to keep coming back. And we kept coming back to community and we kept growing. So much has happened during that time. Uh, we both joined small groups. And shortly after, we decided to get baptized. Numerous things have happened just within our, within our own careers, with our daughter. Our daughter was baptized as well. I want what you have, uh, is what she had said to us. And, well, and it was a surprise. Mm -hmm. we, we didn't know. Since that first Sunday at community, there was something that was missing. And uh, I was able to, to find it. And what I found was I was missing joy. And I, just since I've been tithing and everything else that comes from that, joy is in my life like you wouldn't believe. I think tithing starts uh, with your head. And that's where it all comes from first because you're, you're debating with yourself. It doesn't make sense on paper necessarily. Uh, but where it ends up is in your heart. Just 
start start with start with one week and then move into two weeks and then just continue to grow and you'll find that you're just, you don't miss it. This money is not ours; it is God's, and it's up to us to give it back. And uh, I want to do that as much as I can now. I love the honesty of that story because when you when you peel this all back. We're not talking about a financial plan, but a spiritual posture. It's a posture that says, yes, I work hard. Yes, yes, I have skills and talents. Yes, there's things in my life that I've helped accomplish. But ultimately, I'm not king. I'm not Messiah. I'm not Lord. God, you are. All of this is yours. And tithing is a big part of that journey. And I know that it's a difficult one. I know that it's an uncomfortable one. But if you'll allow me, I want to I just issue three quick challenges for all of us in here to help move us from here to there. The first is this, to commit to intentional giving. My first challenge is to give 10% for the next 10 weeks. 10% for the next 10 weeks. I think this is a meaningful place to start. In the New Testament, um, Paul doesn't really give us a, a 10% figure. He says, just be generous, be, be sacrificial, be consistent, be joyful. But I think for us, this is a good place to start. But keep in mind, I think that's, I think that's a floor, not a ceiling. The second part of the challenge is to commit to recurring giving. Not reoccurring, recurring. Some of you are already doing that. You can give uh, via this website right here. Um, givenow.cc, or you can download the community app and you can set that all up there. That is a way to ensure that our, our first fruits are going to God. The government kind of beat us at that job. Like they kind of get the first fruits before a lot of us do. But it's kind of the idea of giving God either the first fruits or our leftovers. Like if, like if the Pope was coming to your house, you, you probably wouldn't like reach in the fridge and like pull out like a styrofoam container from the very back. You're like, so glad to have you, Pope. There you go. But by setting up a recurring gift to say, God, the very, the very first that we get is yours and we're offering it to you. What would it look like to give God what is right rather than what is left? See what I did there? Lastly, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Um, <laughs> lastly, uh, I want to challenge you to commit to starting today. I, I've sat messages like this and thought, okay, next week <laughs> or next month when I like get stuff together, when it's not a holiday weekend. Like, I, to- I totally get all of that. I get all of that. But I think it's so easy for us to kind of buy into that week after week after week. Next week, I'll do this. Next week, I'll start that. And that's, what if we together committed today? And so here's how we're inviting you to do that. I'm gonna invite you to text the word tithe to the number 313131. So you just text the word tithe to 313131, and we want to send you, for the next 10 weeks, um, an encouraging email written by our community pastors. And my hope is that you'll, you'll get a glimpse of these, these different leaders, these different pastors, and the way that they're wired, and the way that they believe God has um, called and equipped them. And, and our hope and belief, honestly, is that through these emails, you'll begin to see uh, generosity in our stuff through a different lens. And, and it's my sincere hope and belief that by, by committing uh, together, that God will begin to move us from here to there. So I thought, we'd, I thought we'd wrap up where we started today. 
with our, uh, our mystery man, Melchizedek. If we go to the book of Hebrews, we find uh, one other reference to Melchizedek. And the author writes this, but about Jesus. He says, you, speaking of Jesus, are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The story is ultimately about Jesus. Our giving is a reflex of God's giving. We give not to earn God's favor and affection. We give because his favor and affection was given freely to us. First and foremost, Jesus is the one who sets the captives free. He's the one who loved us when we were unlovable, who pursued us when we strayed, and he went to the cross so that you and I could get right with God. He's ultimately the one that we need most in our lives. He's the ruler of the universe, not us. And I believe that God has for us courage and wisdom and provision, and as we just saw, joy. I think God has so much more joy for us than we could even possibly dream or imagine. And I think, I think it starts by loosening our grip on the things that we think secure our significance and identity and offering them freely to the God who freely offered himself. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of one more day. And we do mean gift. I know, God, that there are plenty of people in this room who are struggling, who are hurting, whose hearts are heavy. God, I pray that in this moment, you would give them peace, you would give them hope, you would give them joy. God, I pray that you would show us the parts of our heart that aren't honoring you, that aren't submitted to you, the things that we're clinging to. Help us to see honestly what our spiritual posture looks like. And God, give us the courage to take that first step, to be generous with what you have entrusted us with. We thank you and we love you, Father. We pray all of these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.